Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don. It's been a while. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, so, been been away from from the office. Been away from home for for uh, uh, over a week uh, recently. Uh, saw you saw you up in Atlanta. Yes. Um, we had a, a good time in Atlanta, and then I I traveled on from Atlanta to uh, Phoenix for a, a conference on um, faci- retail facility maintenance. Um, one of the most exciting fields that anyone can be a part of. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what? So that's that's the that's for construction specialties, which is the company that I am uh, COO of and 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 run um, regularly. So we were up there uh, trying to make some connections, um, and I was also uh, also just investigating how everybody else does things. How about you? Well, it's like I guess. We have to explain to the listeners a little bit, like, why have we not been producing our shows the last two weeks? Which seems like it's been a month, but it really hasn't been that long. Um, Well, like, I am in the middle of a move to Kansas City from Chicago, so I'll have more details on that soon. But suffice to say, I've been overwhelmed with planning for a big move. Uh, Job-wise, everything's been pretty stable, but from the life side, it's been a big mess of things. But sure. yeah, we were I was up in Atlanta with you for kind of a recreational trip with some other friends of ours. And, you know, what one thing that we did is we hung out together on the, I guess, Tuesday before we left town, and we were talking about a product we're working on called Chasms which we've right. been talking about on a different podcast, this old app. And what I wanted to do was bring that discussion and bring it into the CTO think realm. So this is not a chasms project discussion specifically, but it's more of a high level management discussion around right. build versus buy. And for Ooh. folks that don't, for folks that don't listen to this old app, We have been, Don and I have been working on a product called Chasms, which is a, basically the ability to have SMS discussions or communications funneling into a single chat room for a dispatch team of people. So I guess the best way to explain it is if you were to just start, if you had three people in an office talking to a field, a bunch of field workers that all use SMS, you would have three phones on the dispatch side and you would have one on one-to-one communications with, with let's say 15 field people. And you would have the problem where the three people in the office would not know the communications that each other was doing. So you'd have a lot of repeat communications between the field people. You'd have people not with a lot lacking context. And what we built for your firm was an application that plugged into Slack and allowed for those SMS communications to be visible to everyone in the dispatch office. Right. So from there, you and I have been talking about the expansion of chasms into other areas of 
the business. And that then tied into, uh, we're mainly talking about work orders and uh, image tracking and that kind of thing. Right. And so then the discussion went to, well, there are companies in the marketplace, software companies that are providing full service, um, you know, SaaS products, software as a service type products that will do many of these things. And so you, over the last week, went to a conference and started doing tours of these SaaS products. And so where we are now, and this is what I'm wanting to talk about, and which I'll let you talk about, um, I won't talk the whole time, is, <laughs> is build versus buy. What have you seen in the marketplace versus what you know you and I can code and improve your business and maybe sell to other people as a SaaS product. Where do you, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that as a manager? Sure. Sure. So, uh, just, just as an, uh, as an aside, um, one, one side effect we've also seen from the use of chasms is it's a single number we can also give to stores to say, Hey, you opened up a work order because, somebody hit the side of your building, would you mind going and taking a couple pictures and, and texting? Ah. So that's a, that's a real beneficial side effect we've had as well. We could, we could easily have them text it to one of us, but it, it, yeah. by doing it this way, it goes to everybody. Um, Amazing. That's great. Yeah. So that, that, the, the use case does not go away. Um, so here's, here's what we were discussing. So we were discussing, um, we were discussing building, build, starting the, to build out the Chasm's product, add some features that we needed. Um, and I think we talked also about um, putting together something that would eliminate double entry on my side for work orders. Um, currently, we get work orders in and we have to make a PDF for the field technicians and we have to put the work order into Trello for our own tracking. So that's double entry. Um, and I had put together a, a quick little application that does that works beautifully on my local machine, has a few more problems in the cloud, um, that I'm still working through. So we talked about also putting that together. Um, and we started talking about what it would cost to do that and, and what, what it would cost we could afford, but and, and then we started talking, and then I mentioned that, yeah, we had been looking at a couple of these um, field maintenance uh, programs, and, and I started to show, show them to you. And, and, and then, then I, I came around, and, and we, as we were looking, we looked at the pricing. And all of a sudden, the pricing was significantly less than if we built it, and which, which, is, which is almost always yeah. the, the initial reaction to buy versus build is you have yeah. all these great ideas. You, th you think about what it's going to cost and then you turn around and look at what's out there and, oh my goodness, it's a significant difference cost-wise. Um, yeah. it's, it's much cheaper to buy in most cases. No, probably in all cases, um, unless, you're, unless you're scoping down what you're building. So, so that, that made me put, a, put pause in the whole idea and, and it was more like, well, you know, we probably need to go give a few of these systems a good hard run through and make sure that they're not going to fit what we need. Um, yeah. it, it, as we, we've had this discussion a thousand times um, that there are, 
probably literally hundreds of project management systems. Um, anybody listening to this podcast probably is aware of at least five of them. <laughs> yes. Um, the one that everyone almost ends up gravitating towards if they're of any size is JIRA. But nobody goes to JIRA and says, oh my goodness, I love this. This has saved us. It's more like, eh, it works. (laughs) Um, It's more like it does a lot of the things we need it to do, but boy, is it a pain in the neck. Um, So, and and like I said, we've we've used a bunch. uh, As almost any developer who does any project management has done, I've had grand delusions of building my own project management system to run my projects my way. Um, When it comes to field maintenance, it looks like it's very similar. Uh, If you do a search for field maintenance uh, solutions, you get to a Captera page and the Captera page just goes on and on and on with all the different uh, solutions out there and big names like Verizon has one and GE has one again, probably things that they were using themselves and, and yeah. said, Hey, we can sell this. Yeah. Um, so it, it's certainly um, big names. Uh, one we're looking at is, was, was built by a couple of ex Lockheed Martin engineers. Um, and I believe Lockheed Martin uses it in, to some degree. So, <clears throat> so when we talk about buy versus build price is one thing. Um, yep. But I've turned the staff on to these trials and I said, okay, let's, let's start looking at these trials. And we, we, I, I set that all up Tuesday or Wednesday this week. And, and on Thursday we spent an hour or so going through it and, and playing around. And at the end of that hour, at, I, I heard the same thing from, from everybody on the staff. It was, why are we doing this again? <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it's it's a wait what we have works yes we've been complaining about it for 18 months but it works and we're having trouble seeing where adding this new tool solves the problems that we're having over here um it just yeah. introduces new problems so all of a sudden that shifts that that thing of buy versus build back to i don't know if you can afford to to, to build it Maybe you build it just so that you can run at your peak efficiency. Um, so right here, let me yeah. jump in because this is a great, this is the, the great debate about buy versus build is not just about cost of maintenance of building of coding and all that. Every company, when they don't have technology, your work, your teams, your workforce devises a process to get the job done. And the problem with build versus buy is that build is expensive, but conforms to the process that was existing. And buy often forces the team to conform to whatever process the new product or system service dictates you have to do. And so if you ask your work, your team, what do you guys want us to do? 
they're going to say, build it. Because we don't want to conform to a different process. But the answer may be, hey, like we need to change our process because we built this process on a whim and it was only meant to be productive because we didn't have any tech. And so it's, I really, I always feel like when someone goes bill versus buy, cost versus maintenance, um, features versus we got to wait for stuff. I always want to go, let's talk about how you do business right now and whether or not your current process is even efficient with or without the tech, because that it's, that's your, it's just not, it's not simply bill versus buy. It's changing the entire, how your team works, which is really at stake, I think. Right. And that, that is part of the whole discussion, right? Is I've got the yeah. team in there doing that, do, evaluating what we're doing. Um, and, and they're pushing back because it doesn't fit the process. And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to say this yet, but my response is, is that a bad thing necessarily for us to have to change process? Is that, is that yeah. catastrophic or is that just something we have to get used to? Um, yep. there are certainly things with me working through these packages where I go, yeah, that's not going to be the way we want it. Uh, I'll give you a very simple example. And, and this, if there's one thing that makes me go, maybe, maybe we have to stick with what we have. So what we currently use for our work orders is Trello. And yeah. for anybody who's used Trello, Trello is a card based system. Yeah. Um, you put your information in a card and then all the cards are displayed in columns um, on your screen. Even on the smallest monitor, we can fit 30 or so work orders on a screen um, with the city they're in, the scope of work, who's, who's responsible for it, when's it due, what status is it in. We can fit all those things in Trello based on the way we've got set up. We go to these other systems, they're all tabular based. So yeah. they're all in tables. Um, every work order is a row. And man, if you get 10 to 12 on a screen, you're lucky. Now, they've got yep. great ways to filter and, and re, re, you know shuffle to where you can look at things you want to look at. But at the end of the day, I kind of like this for lack of a better term, because it's not the, quite the right term, this dashboard view where I've got a good, I'm looking at my screen right now. It's up on the screen. Yeah. I can see that right now we've got seven work orders that we need updates for the over, updates are overdue for, and another 12 that we're expecting updates today in one glance. And I can't do that in any of these others without that I've seen yet. So so let me let me really quick interject yeah. here and ask you a question. Does the view that you need as a manager with that dashboard and the Kanban card system, yeah. does that work for the employees that are doing the transactional type level work as well? 
are they finding that same benefit? Because I always felt like the managerial view of a project management system, the, the need, what you need to see versus what someone ground level needs to see is different. It was actually one of the the staff members in the office who brought up the fact that there's this disparate view. Um, yeah. So they're looking at the same thing I am, um, and they they appreciate having that same ability to see 30, 40 cards at any one time as opposed to 10 in a, in a table or 10 to 15 at a table. Um, and I haven't seen any other system that's card-based. So yeah, I, I, when, when I, when I envisioned the build part of, of what we're talking about, I envisioned a card system because it's been working for us. Does that mean that we can't switch to tabular and be okay? No, we probably could. We, within a month or two, we'd probably be fine. There, there would be complaints. And, and that's, that's the other thing is trying to figure out, how far can you customize these things? Um, yep. Right now we're looking at two packages. Um, both of them have the ability to generate custom reports, which is great. Um, but the dashboard views for both, one is a little more constrained in what you can customize this than the other. So even that a very important dashboard view, if I can't configure that, it's pretty much a non-starter. Um, because I can already see where the way that these systems set up their work orders does not match real well with the way we do. And for us to change, um, a lot of the information we're looking for would be uh, available to us on their dashboard, but not everything. And, and all of a sudden we we've handcuffed ourselves a little. So, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's it's one of these things where if we build, if we buy, and we buy the the we buy at a the rate that I think we're gonna end up buying at, we're talking twenty five hundred dollars a year. Um, yeah, you and I were talking, and just the first few features we were talking about, we had already come up with a number between three and five thousand. So within within just one feature set we were already more than what we'd pay one of these systems in a year. Um, so it just the, just the disparate um, uh, cost. Now that said, you, you, I don't know that, that it's not easy. So let's get off of what construction specialties is doing and, and broaden it out. Right. Um, sure. Cause this sure. is, this is all, this is a very common um, question that everybody has. Um, and I'm trying to think of another example that we had from, um, from previous employers. Have you, have you run across one? Oh yeah. Um, when I worked at a company called horizon cash management, they had a custom based accounting system. Basically what they did is they managed billions of dollars for futures traders, like the cash that these companies needed to be very liquid for their almost daily trades and stuff. And so they store that money at a bank, uh, Northern Trust, but it's all in one account. And and this is totally legal. It wasn't commingling. It was essentially by by the rules of the, of the 
security SEC or whatever, they maintain an accounting system in alignment with Northern Trust that said, here is the money that's in Northern Trust in big bulk, and here's how we subdivided it between all of our companies or clients. And so like they were using Microsoft Access when I started there. And they're like, and I was like, we got to get off this. We can't keep using Microsoft Access. So the the debate for years was, do I build it, build a new accounting system, or do we find an outside product that can work for us? Right. And that that was a debate we had for a good amount of time. And we eventually found a company that had a product that was willing to make changes, customizations that would allow Horizon to switch from Microsoft Access to a modern .NET C-sharp application. And, and I decided, I was like, okay, do I want, if I do this build, I'm married to the company for the long term. Like I, there's no way they could survive without me if I build this for them. And I was on, I'd been there seven years at that point. And I was starting to think about if I want to do other stuff. And so I made the choice as a recommendation that we should not build this custom software ourselves because I'm not necessarily going to stick around, but you are not a software company and you don't have the money or wherewithal to maintain a custom application for the long haul. And this other company does. And that's how we came to the build versus buy choice for them. Sure, sure. And and that's, you know what, that that's where it ends up, right? Is it, it, do, it doesn't necessarily marry you to the company because they, they could have gone and found somebody else to maintain it. Um, but it certainly is a huge consideration. Um, it would be harder. It would be hard for them. I knew them very well. It would be very difficult. You could find someone to replace me if I was working at construction specialties because right. you have the knowledge of the tech industry. It would have been very hard for the founder to do that same thing. It would like finding the right person um, to fill that role of maintaining a custom application would have been harder for her, I think, based on just her desire to, to care about tech at all. So, and, and now here's the other, here's a flip side is that when you and I talk about build versus buy for construction specialties, where you are not exclusively thinking about an application only for construction specialties. You're also thinking about, leveraging it as a resaleable piece of software for other companies too. Right. At least that's what we've talked it about. It is. So there is a, there's a build versus buy, but you're, you're not completely thinking about it as a CS will end up um, eating the entire cost in theory over time. It would also possibly be a revenue stream. Right. Right. Um, and, and, that's a, that's a good segue to one of the things I saw at the conference. So when I was at the conference, I went to a few different tables of companies that had software, um, talked to a few, talked to one who was like, 
who misunderstood what I was asking and was asking if I had installers that could install stuff for them. <laughs> um, but yeah. in general, ran across a few and ran across a, a fairly new one where it was a company um, that was selling this the, this software. And it what it was, was it was a subsidiary of a facility maintenance company and they had built their own software and they had refined it enough and they had had people express interest in enough that they spun off a technology company just to sell the software. Um, so yeah. it, it's funny when you're, you're talking to somebody and you recognize where, where you could end up being in a few years if you're not careful. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, yep. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, at the end of the day, the company's focus is facility maintenance. The company's focus is not facility maintenance software. Um, so yeah. it, it probably, we'd probably end up in the same situation where we built it refined it and then spun something off to go off and sell it. Um, what I have found is in, in talking to people about chasms, um, everybody does things their way. Um, yep. so it, it's hard for me to sit here and justify, um, at least tens of thousands of dollars, if not more than that, of expenses to build a system with the off chance that we might be able to sell it in the future. When, when I, in my experience, I can pretty much tell all these companies are doing things differently enough that we'd just be one more package um, that doesn't do things the way their company does it. Uh, and, and I guess we could make it as customizable as we could, but at the end of the day, there are business processes written in the code that are harder to customize. Um, you can customize so, front end all you want. It's the business process and the back end that are harder. So that speaks to a, the, the question of, do you build features or modules that, plug into someone's own system. Like we've talked about chasms as we chasms right now is a single feature system, right? SMS single channel into a chat room. And then we start talking about how do we tie this to a work order? And then we have to build a work order system. And that's where it kind of goes off the rails. That's, that's the risk is like you said, everyone does their work orders differently. So if you try to get into that game, you're building a new process for people. And when you sell a process, that's where you have trouble with sales. But chasms, chasms as it right as it stands right now is fairly pluggable into a lot of different systems because it doesn't it stands alone. Right. In the sense that if you before were just using a cell phone talking to your field managers with the with SMS our system improves upon that platform. I don't think it really works against it, whatever existing process you had. So the question is, do you build a suite of tools that is like pick and choose as you wish and you don't have to really change your process that you devised yourself. You can just use this feature if where you need it. 
And that's really what I've started to think about build versus buy is, do you build this umbrella type application that takes care of everything? Or do you build these small items like, hey, we do actually have a work order thing, but you don't have to use any of the other pieces with it. Right. It's just really, do you want a single work order system that we leave the API open to interact with other stuff? And you, if you don't like our work order thing, just don't even, you don't pay for it. You don't have to use it. But if you like our communication product, go ahead and you're not tied to anything. You don't have to change anything other than you can knock a few complaints your team has off over disparate communications and stuff. Right. That's what I, that's what I'm starting to think about for build versus buy is maybe, I don't know, this is a bad term in the marketplace, but service oriented features. Yeah. But, but, but <laughs> um, now that you, not now that you say that, but that's where my head has been for, for a little while as well. Um, because yeah. the one of the first, I won't say the first, but one of the first questions I'm asking all these companies is, is there an API? Um, and I have yet yeah. to run across one that has said no. I have run across one that said, yeah, but in order to use our API, you have to be part of our partner program and you have to have an annual commitment. <laughs> and it, it was like, okay. And it's actually the one we're, we're probably looking at most likely to go with, um, but it's also the most mm -hmm. expensive one. You know, it, it's all these variables. So, um, but that chasms can fit into an API pretty easily. Um, yeah. And, and, but what I don't, what, what, what I'm, what I'm a little concerned about getting into is building all these little um, add-ons yeah. And then if I'm going to build add-ons, why am I paying for, why am I paying for the other system? Um, if the system's yeah. not going to, because if, if I'm going to build add-ons, Trello's got a great API. I can, yep. I can just continue using Trello. Um, and and th then we're back to the build discussion. Um, but that there is something to be said there for, Okay, so we build these add-ons, we use them in construction specialties for Trello, and then we start looking at other packages and see what kind of add-on marketplace they have, um, see what kind of partner system they have to where we might be able to sell the add-ons to these different packages. Chasms is a perfect example because uh, it, it, yeah. it truly is a perfect example because a lot of these, one of these companies has where the technicians can text message in on a work order, but the process that would be followed is you assign the technician a work order, the system sends a text message to that technician with that work order. That comes across on one phone number. When you when you send the next work order to that same technician, it might come across on a different phone number. Yeah. So all of a sudden they can't, it, it's really hard for the technician to respond back using the right text message. Yeah. So um so chasms kind of fits in there real nice. Um, and, and that if there's a market for it, maybe, maybe that's where it is. 
Um, cause in talking to people, I haven't found anyone yet that I could convince that chasm works for them, but we've been talking about chasms as a text to chat channel, um, application when the pivot may be, it's actually a text to work order management system and chat channel system. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it we we may be looking at a small pivot there. So you're you're right that both uh, putting together a bunch of add-ons and bolting them together into a system is another way of doing it, and and it's one I've been thinking about. So forgive me if I didn't catch this, but the systems you've looked at, the SaaS products you looked at, they do or they don't have a chasm-like product. One or feature. One has that feature that I described with the text messaging. The other does not. Yeah. Um, and and when I've looked for, so a lot of these systems are predicated on the fact that the technician will use that system on their phone through their app. So each of yeah. these systems has their own mobile app as well. So they're not really looking for a text to work order management system um, interface. But as I said at the beginning, there are other uses. Having the stores text in pictures. Um, There are other uses that make sense for this type of system. So that's that's kind of where I've only seen one that has any kind of really robust text messaging. The rest, um, I think there was one that allowed you to pre uh, set pre set up some um, status, some statuses for work orders, and then technicians yeah. could text in a a a single number one two three four five six something like that. Um, to say on route, on site, needs estimate, complete, needs materials, things like that. Um, yeah. But that's that's not really, I mean, that's useful to a small degree. Um, but that's really not what we're looking for. So in general, or actually not in general, we've been talking about very specific build versus buy scenarios. And usually for CTO Think, we talk about more abstract, like, what does a manager need to think about? But, um, you know, I I feel like we're getting to the spot and we're getting to the spot in our, in the software world and the working world where companies are blending. They're doing, they're taking like Salesforce the sales team, the marketing team is using a product for CRM, for analytics and reporting. And the dev team is like, we don't want to work on that stuff. Like the core product of the company, we work on that. When it comes to a system that is from the marketing team, we're going to let someone else build that. And But then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but the sales team needs data from the product side. And so you build these little connections in the middle. And I think we're starting to see this build versus buy being build and connect to bought. Yeah. So that makes it sense. It does. It does. And and I think I think that's where we sit. And I don't have an answer today. Um, and that's why we kind of record these podcasts, right? 
Um, yeah, right. It, it's it's real life, and, and and on this one, there's no right answer here. Um, there's just a bunch of wrong answers. Um, yeah. is the negative way to look at it, right? Um, in the end, whatever choice we end up making, it'll work for us, and then there's going to be that other side that'll be, but we could have done this. So, um, yeah. I completely agree with you that. I'm, I'm more willing to sit here and, and figure out a way to cobble together a bunch of independent things, um, that maybe on the back end use rest or possibly GraphQL um, to talk to each other, um, and cobble something together that we can use that fits our needs perfectly, but also continue to research with these other companies and figure out what kind of add-on marketplaces they have or what kind of appetite they have for um, add-ons. Um, yeah. Because I can certainly see where we could turn around and sell chasms to one of these because they don't really have a text messaging um, capability. They would argue they don't need yeah. it because the technicians should be using the app itself, but that's not really the question. So, yeah, um, and and I still I still stand by the idea that SMS is not one hundred percent dead, and that deploying applications across your workforce in the gig economy is kind of a bear for a non software firm. Right. So. By just saying, hey, use this tool that lets the gig economy workers use good old-fashioned SMS is still powerful. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially in, I mean, United States is different. There's a lot of countries where SMS is still, and text messaging is big. For sure. And I and maybe it'd be WhatsApp, maybe uh, Snap or something. No, Snap would be horrible. But <laughs> maybe there's messaging apps that are it's not um, like iMessage, but it is a messaging platform that would need, we would need to plug into an API. But it's still like everyone in this country uses this particular app for messaging. How do we extract those messages and make them useful for a dispatch center? That kind of sure. thing. I think there's there's a play there in my thought sure, process. Sure. But, all right. Well, that this is a good discussion. Yeah. Um, glad to be back on the horn and talking about this stuff again. For sure. um, yeah. Well, uh, I'll have more updates about moving from one city to another while maintaining the same exact work. <laughs> and that's an interesting part of our uh, kind of. Uh, remote-based lifestyle right sure. now. And uh, we will continue probably talking more in-depth on the technical levels of the Chasm Project on the This Old App podcast. Ava available on podcast applications everywhere for those who want to listen. <laughs> yes. And also, if you are a listener and you like CTO Think, uh, having reviews on iTunes is critical. So if you could take the time to leave a review, positive, negative, constructive, whatever, that it's helpful. It's, sure. hel it's helpful for our rankings. It's helpful to get new users. It's helpful to let Apple know people are listening. So please leave a review if you have the time. For sure.
other than that, I uh, we'll talk Sounds next week. Good. See you later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.